Join us now on The Collector Show with Harold Nickel. And it is The Collector Show for another week. Thanks for tuning in. Remember last week we had a news item about collecting meteorites? Well, as promised this week, we have John Morris of Michigan who's going to talk about his substantial collection of meteorites coming up in the interview segment. Probably the most unusual collection we've ever talked about on The Collector Show. I rank collecting meteorites right up there with uh, banana stickers or vacuum cleaners, um, and not an easy hobby to get involved with, as you'll hear coming up in the interview segment. Also, the found collectible of the week is corn, and not just seeds or ears of corn, but something to do with corn and farming. You'll have to stay tuned in to find out more about that. But first, news from the world of collecting. There is a man named Howard Burr whose nickname was Doc because he's a retired dentist, and he loved the movies, and he loved them so much, he collected over 2,600 movies. Now, I'm not talking about VHS tapes or DVDs. He had the real film, the real-to-real movies that run in theaters. Unfortunately, Dr. Burr passed away, and he left his collection of movies or films, as they call here, features, shorts, cartoons, newsreels, previews, even silent movies, to Harvard. And they have come in and discovered that in his collection were movies that did not exist anywhere else other than in his collection. And his children have donated them to Harvard to help round out their collection. Another idea for you if you're looking to start a collection, movies. And I'm going to bet it's a lot easier than when the good doctor started his collection back in the 1930s when there was no such thing as VHS or DVDs or MP3s or any of that kind of stuff. Harvard's collection now numbers 17,500. They've a huge archive of film and film history. So if you're interested in that, check out Harvard. If you're interested in starting a movie collection, try going to the bargain bin at Blockbuster or um, places in your hometown where they rent movies and you can pick out documentaries and if I were gonna start collecting movies I'd start with documentaries because there are fewer of them made and they tend to be a lot more interesting than the commercial films and commercial movies that you see just a little tip here from the collector show Anglers in the north are collecting a new walleye stamp. More than a 1,000 fishing enthusiasts have purchased Minnesota's new walleye stamp. It went on sale the 1st of March. For those of you who don't live in the upper Midwest, walleye is a freshwater game fish. It's not as big as a pike, but um, fun to catch. I've caught a few here in Michigan. Now, unlike a lot of stamps like duck stamps or goose stamps, this stamp is not required to catch or keep walleye. It's um, uh, just a nice souvenir. And if you want to start collecting outdoor stamps, another good thing to collect. My grandfather had every waterfowl stamp ever issued by uh, the federal government starting when they first started issuing those stamps. And I think it was in the 1930s and he still got them or uh, rather he's deceased. My grandmother has them. 
an excellent way to start collecting a certain kinds of stamp. And you remember last week we talked about the man who collected only Abraham Lincoln stamps or only stamps with the image of Lincoln on them. And it ended up being a very valuable collection. So maybe collecting stamps with just fish on them or just different kinds of wildlife scenes would be another good hobby straight from the news of the world of collecting. And finally, a man named Bud Robbins has a collection of postcards. He has 3,000 of them, and he shows them in his home by appointment. Now, why collect postcards, you may ask? Well, if you want to document a visual or photographic history of your hometown or of a certain state or of a certain region, collecting postcards is a great way to do it because it captures in a still photo and typically one that's uh, reasonably well documented and one that is reasonably well photographed, postcards are the way to go. And we have talked about postcard collections here on the show before and there are college libraries, historic historians who are devoted to postcards because of their historical significance. So. Bud Robbins is described, his collection, as being in a time machine because of the reasons that I just cited. Okay, that's it from news from the world of collecting. Week in and week out, the most popular part of the show. Coming up in the interview segment, John Morris, his collection of meteors and meteorites. And what's the difference between a meteor and a meteorite? Coming up next on The Collector's Show, it's Web Talk Radio, and I'm Harold Nickel. It's the interview segment of The Collector's Show this week, and I think one of the most unusual collections we've ever discussed on The Collector's Show. We're joined by John Morris, who collects meteors and or meteorites. And John, welcome to The Collector's Show. Thank you for having me. Now, John, you're here in the state of Michigan, where I am, and tell us what you do for a living. I'm the editor of the Iosco County News Herald. Okay, and how big of a town is Iosco? It's a county. We're about to 25, 26,000 people. Um, East Howitz, where we're located, is about 2,500, so very small. Now, you collect meteors or meteorites, and i got to ask you, first of all, what's the difference between a meteor and a meteorite? It's actually where they're found, or where they're located. Okay. A meteorite is a piece of dust, rock, metal that moves through space. A meteor is a shooting star. That's a meteorite. A meteorite that has entered the Earth's atmosphere. Right. A meteorite is a meteorite that has actually survived entry through the atmosphere and reached their surface. Okay, so then you collect meteorites. Right. Okay, and um, how did you come to start collecting them? I'm an amateur astronomer, so it's a natural progression for me. Okay. Looking up at, at the at the stars and. Uh, galaxies, nebula, and star clusters. Uh, so I, I became interested. I, I saw a shooting star th- through my eyepiece one time. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's, that's pretty neat. And they move incredibly, incredibly fast. I'll bet that's right. They zip right through there. And, and actually, I, I received a free one for Christmas. Oh, no kidding? <laughs> yeah. 
it's a Christmas gift. So, um, but this branched off from your interest in um, stargazing, or uh, and you have your own telescope, as you said. Yes. Now, do you follow them to the ground and then go pick them up, or? Uh, no, that, that's um, it'd be incredibly rare. Although that has happened um, for the first time in in October, scientists actually did that. that no kidding. They, they followed it. Um, oh, they, they detected a space rock ahead of a, a collision with Earth, and then watched it streak through the the atmosphere, and then recovered it. Oh wow! And that was over Sudan. Okay, and I'm gonna guess it would have to have been pretty big to, uh, number one, be tracked, and number two, survive re-entry into the atmosphere, yeah. and then they were able to go pick it up. Yeah, the shooting stars are actually quite small. They're grains of sand that, that we see. It's the oh. larger fireballs that actually are, are the meteorites that, that land on Earth. Okay, so when I'm outside and it's a clear night and I just see the the kind of the trail of what looks like, I guess, a white flame, that's just grains of dust? That's not rocks? Yeah. Okay. Now... For the ones that you collect, the meteorites, how do you know if you're looking at a meteorite? What distinguishes it from just a rock? There's um, several things, and it's really an easy answer. Um, first it is the content of elemental nickel. Okay. Um, pure nickel is exceedingly rare on Earth. On, on Earth. The vast majority is found deep in the core of our planet. All right. Um, nickel found on, on the surface of the Earth is contained in ores and is not really in its pure elemental form. Mm-hmm. Another hallmark is chondrules. They're the small spheres that are embedded in the body of a meteorite. Okay. And they're unlike anything on Earth. In a sliced meteorite, the chondrules appear as like little circles. Okay, I'm sorry. What is a chondrule? It, it, it's the... They're, they're spear-shaped, and they're embedded within meteorites. Mm-hmm. Not all of them have it. Okay. And do you saw them in two to inspect them, or can you just look at one and just with your naked eye say, oh, yeah, that's that's a meteorite? Yeah, some of them are, are seen on the surface of a meteorite, but uh, the best way to saw them, I, I don't saw them myself. Okay. But there are collectors who, who do, do who. That. Who saw them in two. Now, I would think also, John, that meteorites would be, one, hard to find, and two, valuable. Are they? Yes and yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Hard to find and valuable. So let's just say for fun that I decide, okay, today I'm going to start a meteorite collection. What would be, What would be the things I need to do? Um, meteorites on, on, on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how, how I, I, I get mine. Okay. But, but you have to be very careful on, on, on that, too. Um, it, the internet has been a great boom to the hobby. Yeah. It, there's a wide variety of meteorites available from dealer websites, eBay, or collectors groups. Mm-hmm. But do they come with some kind of authentication or some kind of a certificate? Yeah. Want to be careful from from who you buy from because mm-hmm. there are in the in in the industry um, what we'd like to call meteorongs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's just chunks of rock that somebody labeled meteorite. I bet. Yeah, absolutely. So, so who to buy from then? Um, the best way to ensure that a meteorite is real is to check the credentials of the seller. Okay. Um, look for collectors and dealers who maintain a course. 
standards and ethics. Mm-hmm. And, and they do that by belonging to the International Meteorite Collectors Association. Okay, now that was one of the other things I was going to ask, is is there an association for meteorite collectors? Yeah. And you just answered that. How big of a group is that? Oh, no, it's in the thousands. Oh, in the thousands, yeah. okay. So if you're just joining us, it's Web Talk Radio. It's the Collector Show this week, and we're talking with John Morris, who, when he isn't editing and writing a newspaper, is busy collecting meteorites. Now, if I weren't wanting to go start buying meteorites to start my collection, and I wanted to just go start hunting them in the out-of-doors, is Michigan a particularly good place to look? Do more meteorites fall here than, say, in, I don't know, Wisconsin or Texas or places like that? There have been um, falls in Michigan. Um, ten I recognize, but mm-hmm. um, no. While they can be found anywhere, the vast majority are found, like in the Great Plains of the United States, the American Southwest, Antarctica, Australia, and then Northwest Africa. So places where there's lots of flat nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And I yeah, guess they're easier to find in a place like that. Yeah, you bet. And is that how you find yours? I've never done that, actually, and oh. someday I'd like to. But <laughs> so you, you've purchased yours? Yes. Okay, how big of a collection of meteorites do you have, John? Uh, I have about more than 50. 50 meteorites? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so let me ask this. Why are they with you and not in a museum somewhere? Mine are typically smaller. Okay. Um, into a, a, a gem jar size. Okay. Um, the, the ones that, that are in um, museums or at, at universities are, are, are huge. Oh, okay. And, and quite expensive. Now tell us what a hammer is. A, a hammer? Well, there's there, there three kinds of, of meteorites, really. There's, there's a find, which is a, a meteorite that has no record of being witnessed to fall to the surface. Mm-hmm. Then there's a fall, and that's a meteorite that was witnessed to fall to the surface. Right. And a hammer indicates a meteorite that was seen to fall and struck a man-made object. <laughs> With And great damage. A man-made object or a person. Yeah. And that's only happened once that, that, that we know of. That a meteorite struck somebody? Yes. In 1954 in Alabama. Now that, that is the unluckiest person ever. <laughs> and I'm going to guess that they expired. No. No? Absolutely not. No. Um, it, Someone's went to the hospital with a bruised hip. Get out. <laughs> That's it, a bruised hip from yeah. a meteorite strike. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is, well, maybe it's the luckiest person ever. Who knows? <laughs> I saw a meteorite, uh, or I didn't see uh, the actual stone or uh, rock, but there's a car at the Smithsonian. And um, I want to say it's like from the mid-70s. Mm-hmm. And the whole back end is just kind of bashed in. Yeah. And it was hit by a meteorite. That actually happened in Michigan, too. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, it's called the, the Warden Meteorite. Ah. It, it went in Washtenaw County, um, in Warden, which is near Ann Arbor. It, it went through a, a, a man's garage, went to the rafters, the drywall, and actually hit his car. That is too funny. <laughs> so what's the um, best place to see a hammer other than the Smithsonian? Is Are there any other places around that you're aware of? I have some in my collection as well. Oh, really? Yeah. And what did they hit? Cars? Houses? Yeah, buildings, mostly. Buildings. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, it's The Collector Show with Harold Nickel, and we're talking this week with John Morris, who collects 
meteorites. Now, you told us earlier, John, when we were visiting, that this was an outgrowth of your interest in uh, astronomy. Did you get interested in astronomy as a as a young man, or is this something that you picked up later, studied in school? Tell us about that. Yeah, it stems from my childhood. Um, my grandfather bought me a telescope, I think, when I was 10 or 11 mm-hmm. years old. Just a department store one that I, I looked up at the moon and, and, and some planets. And, and, and then, you know, life gets in the way. You know, go to college, <laughs> get married, and have children. And then I really got back into it about three years ago mm-hmm. at a star party. A star party? Yeah. Now, what happens at a star party? Oh, it's, it's a public gathering where you, you, you go out and uh, observe. Now, when you're doing astronomy, are you looking for something in particular? Are you mapping the sky? Are you looking at a certain star? What is it exactly that you're looking at? Yeah, it depends on the season. Um, I really like looking at nebula. Okay. And you must have a pretty big telescope to be able to do well, that. It's, it's an eight-inch stop, which is a good a good beginner's telescope. Okay. Because I, I can peer at, at galaxies, which are you know millions of light years away, which wow. is pretty incredible, yeah. Now, this is going to sound like a silly question, but when you're out looking through a telescope, have you ever seen a UFO? <laughs> no. No? Yeah. <laughs> See, I have. When I was in the ninth grade, there was no. uh, something flew over our house, and... Yeah. Um, Everyone thought, well, it was just a, a meteor, and uh, but meteors don't fly sideways, I don't think. So, uh, and I don't know what it was to this day, but it had kind of a flame coming out of the back of it, flew through the backyard, and um, that's the only time I ever, ever saw one. So, with your meteorite collection, tell us about how you decided to collect them, and tell us about your very first addition to your collection. Very first one, we're the Christmas presents. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. You told and, us that. And, and I'm a member of Cloudy Nights, which is the Amateur Astronomy Forum. Okay. And if anyone wants to learn about that, go on that website, www.cloudynights.com. Okay. And the, there's two members there that, that, that sell meteorites, so I, I really trust them. All right. And, and that's where I get mine from. And um, is there any particular thing you're looking for when you're shopping for a meteorite? Yeah, there, there, there's a couple things that that I, I like to look for. There's three different types of um, meteorites. There's stones, irons, and stony iron. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing that you're looking for, and is what's your favorite kind? Oh, I like the stony irons. The stony irons. Oh, yeah. And you said that you have 50 meteorites in your collection, do you have plans to display them or loan them to scientists, or how do you display them? I have them in what's called Riker boxes. Mm-hmm. So I, I have them displayed in, in my den, and then when I give talks, I'll, I'll bring them When you give your talks, who is it that you speak to? Mostly uh, astronomy groups. Okay. And um, do you go all over the country or all over the state of Michigan? Just, just around the area right now. Because that's how I uh, originally read about you. We were doing a, we do a news segment at the show at the top, and um, I think you they must have been covering uh, one of the talks that you gave. And I thought, man, a guy that collects meteorites—that's something we have to get on to the show. Now, in your work as a journalist, do you ever report on space or the manned space uh, exploration program that we have here? Okay. So on occasions, I'll write about astronomy. What are the kinds of things that, when you go out to speak to groups, what are the kinds of things that they ask you 
um, when you're giving your talks? Basically, the same questions you're asking me. Oh, yeah? No, this isn't a a rock that I just pulled from the parking lot. Yeah, I think that would be, uh, you know, really, if we think about collectors and what you said about um, doing this is something that reminds you of something that you did when you were growing up. That's the kind of thing that we hear all the time on this program. But I'd be very um, wary. I mean, we've talked about counterfeit stamps and counterfeit coins on the show. But um, I think it would take a very special kind of expertise to be able to distinguish a meteorite from a stone. Yeah, and, and that's where the scientists come in. When a meteorite is found, it, it really should go to science. First. And, and, then, and then the pieces from that go out to collectors. If people wanted to learn more about collecting, you had mentioned a couple of uh, websites, John. Can you give us those again? Sure. Um, one of them, and there is a, a meteorite forum on cloudynights.com. Cloudynights.com, okay. And then there's a couple more that, that have good um, good sections. One is geology.com. Okay. Geology.com. And then one more I can recommend is meteorites.com.au. And it's an Australian website. It's very, very good. So if anybody has plans to explore the Antarctic or... Um, Northern desert, deserts, that's a good place to go looking for them. But in the meantime, use these online resources if you want to get a head start on collecting meteorites. And John Morris, i got to tell you that um, you're the only person we've ever had on the show who collected meteorites. This will be, I think, very interesting for our listeners this week. Thank you. Thanks for being on The Collector Show. Coming up next, Heather Gallegos and the Found Collectible of the Week here on The Collector Show. Unfortunately, we're not joined by Heather Gallegos this week. She has an illness in her family that prevents her from being with us, so we wish Heather and her family all the best, but still the show must go on, and here is the found collectible of the week, corn, and better said, corn memorabilia. There is a man in a place called Belvedere, I, oh, it's in Illinois, Belvedere, Illinois, who collects metal signs, old advertisements, all of which depict corn companies, antique canvas corn bags that had seeds in them, and he has 3,500 items that all relate to corn. And his name is Dennis Wren. He's a farmer who lives in Illinois, and he started collecting all things related to corn when he noticed that the bags that the seeds came in had some interesting artwork on them. And so that led him to add to his farm implements 3,500 separate items all related to corn. And who knew that there were that many different things about corn or that the art on the bags that came with the seeds on the inside would appeal to anybody. So it just shows that Anything can become a collectible. The found collectible of the week this week, corn memorabilia. That's going to do it for this week's edition of The Collector's Show. Thanks for tuning in. Tell your friends. Look for us on Facebook in the not-too-distant future. And in the meantime, keep collecting. If I had a million dollars If I had a million 
glad buy you some art. Thanks for listening to The Collector's Show. See you next week. If I had a million dollars, I'd buy your love. I'd be rich.